Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we are talking about slavery. This is Slavery 2.0. That's right. Um, But there's a reason for it. Yeah, so we actually, uh, what our last episode was, one episode ago, no, two Two episodes ago? Two or three. Two episodes ago. Yeah. Um, We've had one in between. And um, we had a comment from a listener named Nick, and we just want to thank you for giving us some feedback, Nick. Oh, that's Um, great. Yeah. Nick had a few issues with the way we approached the subject, and he brought those to light, and we kind of want to talk about those because, honestly, he's absolutely right. Uh, We we definitely missed some things, and we want to go back and we want to touch on those things. And... uh, Explain why, why we believe the Bible says what it says. So yeah. So the previous episode was episode seventy six, and we're at episode seventy eight now. Okay. Yep. There you go. Um, so with that said, um, I, I think uh, we'll start by reading kind of what Nick said here. He said, "I got interested in this topic a number of years ago and dove in deep. This conversation was really interesting, but there are a few corrections that need to be made." This topic is not simple, as it turns out. A lot of nuance to it that sometimes requires a real understanding of the context of the ancient Near East and the meaning of the ancient Hebrew word ebed, as you noted. So bear with me here. You've done with uh, what, what a lot of conversations on this topic do, and that skip the passages that are the most problematic. And Nick, doggone you, you're right. <laughs> yeah, we did. We he, skipped over those. <laughs> he, he threw a couple out there, and we were like, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember reading those, and I didn't want to talk about them, so we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thanks for calling us out. I mean, you're absolutely right to do it. So we're going to talk through them. So he mentioned um, three passages. One of them we did read, mm-hmm. but the other two, one of them is in Leviticus Chapter 25, verses 44 to 46, it says, As for your male and female slaves whom you may have, you may buy male and female slaves from among the nations that are around you. You may also buy from among the strangers who sojourn with you and their clans that are with you, who've been born in your land, and they may be your property. You may bequeath them to sons after you. Um, you may bequeath them to sons after you, to inherit as a possession forever. You may make slaves of them, but over your brothers, the people of Israel, you shall not rule over one another ruthlessly. Right. Um, he also mentioned Exodus twenty-one. 20 through 21, anyone who beats their male or female slave with a rod must be punished if the slave dies as a direct result. But they are not to be punished if the slave recovers after a day or two since the slave is their property. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. And then he actually mentioned a third, but he didn't uh, didn't write it out for me here because we actually well, did talk we, about we it last we talked night. about it in the first time. Um, but the other one he has an issue with is Exodus 21, 2 through 6. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years. But in the seventh year, he shall go free without paying anything. If he comes alone, he is to go free alone. But if he has a wife, when he comes, she is to go with him. 
If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the woman and her children shall belong to her master, and only the man shall go free. But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he will be his servant for life. Yeah. So, uh, Nick goes on. He he distinguishes correctly between uh, what Hebrews were to do with other Hebrews Mm -hmm. and what they were permitted to do with, quote-unquote, foreigners. Right. Uh, what they were permitted to do with foreigners is chattel slavery. It's right. it's owning another individual as property. Um, Nick called what Hebrews did to other Hebrews indentured servitude. And that's accurate in our language. Mm-hmm. However, we do need to recognize that it is one Hebrew word that's used, eved. And that word... Um, applies to both. I think then that in the Old Testament, as you read what the Old Testament says about the slave, it applies to both Hebrew and foreigner, with the exception that the foreign slave is a man's property. Right. A Hebrew never is. A Hebrew will go free after a period of time. Right. And so it Nick, Nick at some point in here actually makes the claim, you know, my problem with all of this is with what the Bible says and doesn't say. It never outright condemns slavery. Right. In fact, it seems to condone it. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. we want to address all of that. Yeah, uh, just quoting Nick here, the Bible, the Bible never tells us slavery is wrong, immoral, a sin, or against the will of God. It just tells us how to do it properly. Right. Right. And you're right. Yeah. You're correct. But we want to dive into that. And that's not the whole story. That's not the whole story. <laughs> so I, I hope you didn't just shut it off in that point five seconds right. before we said that's not the whole story. Um, now there, we, we there don't, is more. Yeah, we don't pretend to have all of the answers. But we do think we have a, a, a couple of things to consider here when we're talking about slavery. Mm-hmm. So let's go back in. Uh, I, I went back. I literally looked at every verse in the Bible uh, where abed occurs and every verse in the Bible in the New Testament where the Greek word doulos occurs. Those are the two words that are used for slave. Uh, sometimes slavery is just very generic. Now, especially early on. Uh, you get Noah cursing Canaan, his son, saying that he will be a slave of slaves, he'll be to his brothers. Blessed be Yahweh, the God of Shem. Let Canaan be a slave to them. May God make space for Japheth. Let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be a slave for him. Well, what he's saying there is Canaan will serve him. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that he'll be a, a chattel slave. This is kind of the the most generic approach, the most generic use of the word slave. Eved also refers to, second meaning, conscription labor. Uh, we mentioned the last time this is what Israel was obligated to do in Egypt. Uh, they were to build 
probably pyramids, other, other buildings. We mentioned that Solomon did this. It's interesting, as I dove into that, Second Chronicles 8, 7, and 9 says, All the people who remained from the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, who were not from Israel, from the descendants who were left over after, after them in the land, whom the Israel, Israelites had not destroyed, Solomon constricted them as forced labor. So there seems to be some indication that Hebrews didn't have to, again, work like the conscripted labor of the other nations. Right. There is one other case in Joshua where, uh, do you remember when the Gibeonites tricked him? Uh, Joshua said, I've come here to kill everybody that lives in this land. And the Gibeonites actually were from Jerusalem, but they were afraid of the Israelites, so they lied to him. They said, oh, we've we've come a long way just like you did. Uh, let us uh, live here among you and don't kill us. And Joshua said, okay, and then found out that they were actually a local local plan. Hmm. And uh, he said at that point, you can live among us, but you must literally, uh, you are cursed. Some of you will always be slaves as woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. Hmm. And for the tabernacle and later on the temple, it was this other clan, this other nation, the Gibeonites, that kept it in wood and water. So, conscription labor. Temporary slavery, we talked about the last time. That's what happens when a Hebrew man falls into debt and um, he he's freed every jubilee year. Mm-hmm. Now, there's one other passage there that I want to come back to at the very end. You have third, I think we're up to third. Yeah, third, fourth. Fourth now, permanent but voluntary slavery, and that that that's that Exodus twenty one passage that you just read. Right. Um, if a man becomes a temporary slave, and he marries a permanent slave of his master, marries a woman, who women could be permanent slaves mm-hmm. even if they were Hebrew, right. and they have children. When the man is allowed to be free, he might say, I love my wife, I love my kids, I don't want to leave them. Because he would have to leave his wife and his children behind as possessions of the master. Right. Hey, and really quick, guys, for any of you listening, I I do understand some of what Randy's saying here. We're aware we've already talked about some of this. But we kind of have to go back through and hash some of this out so we can tie it together to the questions being addressed. So just bear with us. Right, right. So that man can become a permanent slave. And you read that passage about how what takes place. They stick it all through his ear, drive it mm-hmm. into the doorpost. A uh, fifth kind of slave is concubine slavery. Women who were taken as slaves were never to be released because it was assumed that there would be uh, sex taking place with mm-hmm. the master. And the master wasn't just to use a woman and throw her away. So she becomes literally a concubine. In fact, Genesis 34 says Rachel 
gave to Jacob, her servant Bilcha, her female slave, as a wife. And Jacob went into her. Then the last is chattel slavery. And we read those passages, Exodus 21, Leviticus 25. And there's a passage in Deuteronomy 24, 7, that if you're caught kidnapping somebody to sell them as a slave, then you'll be put to death. And that you would sell them as a slave for chattel slavery. The other passage that I wanted to mention just really quickly here is from... Oh my. Jeremiah chapter 34. At the very end of Israel's uh, uh, united, divided kingdom, at the very end of the monarchy, Israel is taken away into slavery to Babylon. When that's taking place, Jeremiah the prophet is prophesying. So there's this passage in Jeremiah 34. The word came to Jeremiah from Jehovah that King Zedekiah made a covenant with all the people who were in Jerusalem to proclaim release to them, to let go each one his male slave and each one his female slave, the Hebrew and the free Hebrew. So, so that no one among the Judeans should enslave his fellow countrymen. So Zedekiah passes this law. He says, we're going to emancipate all of the slaves. Now, this is limited to the Hebrew slaves. So the guys who would have been released anyway. Although Zedekiah throws in the female slaves and says, we're going to release them too. Jeremiah 34 goes on to say that uh, everybody released them. And then they had second thoughts. They went back and took them again and made them slaves again. So in verse 16, Yahweh says, You turned back and you profaned my name when you brought back each one his male slave and each one his female slave, whom you had let go free according to their desire. And you subdued them to be to you as male slaves and female slaves. Therefore, thus says the Lord, um, I'm going to send you off into exile, is what the Lord says. I'm, I'm going to bring sword, famine, plague. Uh, you are going to rue the day mm-hmm. that you freed these slaves and then went back and took them again. Now, the reason I point that out is because at the end of the day, after the exile... There is no mention of slavery in the Old Testament. There apparently are no slaves, either Hebrews taking other Hebrews as slaves or chattel slavery in Israel. Foreign slaves. Foreign slaves. Right. slaves or Hebrew slaves. Right. It appears like this law of Zedekiah, the Israelites took as this is binding forever. They came back from the exile and they did not seek slaves. In the New Testament, we don't have references to individuals who are slaves unless their master is Roman. Right. With a couple of exceptions, and we'll get into that when we start talking about the the New Testament. Right. Um, Which may be a good time for me to kind of jump in here with with my thoughts on all of this thus far. Um, 
you know, like we said, Scripture never outright condemns slavery. No, it doesn't. It doesn't do that. It doesn't say it's a sin. It doesn't say it's wrong. It doesn't. It doesn't do that. Um, what I think you can make a very good argument for is what is happening throughout Scripture. Uh, and, and speaking that we're starting with the Old Testament, the Old Testament was never meant to be the ideal situation. Right. God is leading Israel out of their former way of life, their former way of thinking. Sorry, my phone just dinged. Um, into a new way of thinking, and he doesn't just drop it all on them at once. But as you just said, Randy, throughout the course of the New Testament, you finally get to a point when God says, let them go, let the slaves go. And when they take the slaves back, that's why he sends them into exile. Right. And so you're seeing this. It's it's becoming more and more of a, like, he's leading them away from this lifestyle. That's what he's trying to do here. It's a progressive thing. Right. A progressive revelation yeah. of what God wants, right? And so finally, we get to the New Testament because that's what the Old Testament has been doing. It's been trying to point us towards the ideal, right. which is the New Covenant, the right. New right. Testament right. under Jesus Christ. And that's where things really start to change. Right. For instance, another example of what maybe something in the Old Testament that clearly isn't part of the plan in the New Testament, the sacrificial system right. is done away with through Christ. Right. Um, when Jesus is pressed on the matter of divorce, he says, God only ever intended for it to be one man and one woman, right? Married and made one flesh. God permitted it because of your hard hearts. Permitted divorce. He permitted because divorce of because of your hard hearts. Take that and plug that in with what you just said about Jacob and Rachel. Right. That she yeah. gave him her servant as a wife. But God never intended for man to have more than one wife. He wanted right. man to be one man, one woman, married together, right? So and even by the then, New Testament, it is one man, it one is woman. One man, you don't have multiple marriages. And so you see this progressive coming closer to what God truly wants out of them. And then finally, we get this full revelation through Jesus Christ. And that's kind of what we're going to tiptoe into right now. Well, let's go back to the Old Testament because okay. there is there there is another uh, thing that happens in the Old Testament. And that is that even though in the Old Testament, the Lord told uh, the Hebrews that they could own others, they could have chattel slavery, there were laws that protected those slaves, and those laws went above and beyond contemporary laws. Right. For example, for example, uh, you have Genesis 15.3. Abraham talks about Eliezer. He's complaining to the Lord, you haven't given me any, any sons uh, because you've given me no offspring. My slave, Eliezer, will be my heir. Right. Well, that's a good bit different from what happened in other places. Um, Exodus 12, uh, slaves. Oh, this was interesting. Uh, let's, let's actually read that. Exodus 12, uh, 44. The Lord uh, Moses is saying uh, concerning eating the Passover lamb, 
the slave of any man, an acquisition by money, if you have circumcised him, he may eat the Passover lamb. What that's saying is that Israel, even though it was conscription labor, slavery, some of them owned slaves. Mm -hmm. Some of them had chattel slaves, whether they were Egyptians or other foreigners that lived there. And and sorry, I know we're jumping around the timeline a little bit. We are back before God. We're back even before the the law. Yeah, I mean, so this is way before God finally made that final push of you need to let all the slaves go, and then he sent them into exile uh, because they didn't. Um, the the point is, uh, they were uh, they were to enjoy, enjoy what the other Israelites were doing. They mm-hmm. were kind of part of the family in that sense. Exodus twenty one twenty and twenty one. We read that passage before. If a if a master hits his male or female slave, and uh, the slave dies, then chattel or Hebrew. The master is punished. Mm-hmm. He's punished for that for that uh, uh, murder. Um, now that passage does go on to say, if the slave gets well, he doesn't have to be punished because that's his property. property right. Yeah, you were just stupid in hitting him and injuring him. Right. Code of Hammurabi. Uh, the Code of Hammurabi is a legal code from Babylon. Hammurabi was king of Babylon. At about the same time that uh, uh, Israel is is uh, receiving the law, maybe a little bit later than that, um, but by a couple of hundred years, but it's roughly the same time. Mm-hmm. Here is what they said about slaves who were beaten. Um, if uh, you beat a slave and he dies. You're to pay a third of a mina of gold. There's a fine. It's not really a punishment. Right. It's a third of a mina of gold. You're replacing some property. Or You're replacing property. Of, right. Yeah. Um, this is interesting. If a man builds a house for someone else and he doesn't build it properly and the house falls in and it kills the owner, then you put the builder to death. Woo. Mm. Right. <laughs> if it kills his son then you put the builder to death. If the house collapsing kills his slave, then the builder replaces the slave with a new slave. That's his property. Israel seems to be doing things just a little bit differently. In the Code of Hammurabi, if a man puts out the eye of another man, his eye shall be put out. If he breaks another man's bone, his bone shall be broken. Remember the eye for eye, tooth mm-hmm. for a tooth. Um, If he puts out the eye of a man's slave or breaks the bone of a man's slave, he pays half of the slave's value. Yeah. Uh, What happened in Israel? Exodus 21, 26. If a man strikes the eye of his male slave or the eye of his female slave and destroys it, he'll release him as free in place of the eye. He gets emancipated. Same thing with the tooth. If he knocks out a slave's tooth, that slave is emancipated. Israel has stricter laws that govern uh, slavery. It's elevating the slave. It's elevating the slave. To a status above slavery. Or 
uh, sorry, like to not to, above not slavery, above slavery, but, but to above what slaves are in other nations. It's a step in the right direction, right? It's not good. Here's my favorite. Kota Hammurabi says, if anyone who receives into his house a runaway male or female slave, and he doesn't bring him out, the master of the house will be put to death. So if I protect a runaway slave, I'm to die. Right. Deuteronomy, because, because you're harboring that man's property. That's right. Right. Deuteronomy 23.15 says... You shall not hand over a slave to his master who has escaped and fled to you from his master. That slave shall reside with you in your midst in the place that he chooses, in one of your towns where he pleases. You shall not oppress him. So runaway slaves were to be protected, not to be returned. Now that is really interesting. That's a huge step. Right. saying because if he ran away to you obviously something's wrong something's wrong and, and god says man. protect this vulnerable person right yeah so there it is that's the end of the uh, everything that i had from the old testament and and just the comment that after the exile there is no uh indication that israel had slaves of any kind both it, it didn't have people being sold into slavery and it didn't have chattel slavery. Sorry, I'm just I'm just curious. Uh, da, 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 da. That may have been because of uh, Zedekiah's pronouncement. It may have also been just um, uh, one of the other things that didn't happen in Israel returned from uh, exile. They seem to have a stronger commitment to the Lord. They no longer worshipped false idols. Mm-hmm. You don't have idolatry post-exile. Right. Um, it, it's important to remember that even before the law, even before all this is set in place to kind of govern what people are doing. Because, I mean, at the core of the law, it's the Ten Commandments. All the right. other laws are really there to, like, help kind of hash out the Ten, ten Commandments or, like, walk you through how to better – live in that common society, right? Is that fair? Yep. Um, But before all that, the claim is made that man and woman are made in the image of God, that they are image bearers of God. There is something important in all people that they all resemble God in one way or another and are to be respected and loved and protected because of that. And so – that is getting played out through these laws. You can see it that while they're not perfect, these are still – it's screwed up by today's standards 100%. Right. Right. Back then, this would have been a huge leap in the right direction. People would have probably been ecstatic for these laws. Well, oh, at yeah. least the slave would have. Oh, my gosh, um, yeah. I could imagine all kinds of slaves running to Israel. Oh, yeah. like And so what we're seeing here is God stepping people towards fully comprehending that man is all made in the image of God. And so you want to start digging into the New Testament? So New Testament, uh, we do have mention of uh, different individuals who are slaves or people talking about their slaves. They're all Romans. Slavery was something that was done in the Roman Empire, and man, was it ever done in the Roman Empire. Uh, One of the estimates, I gave you a book uh, by uh, Richard Longnecker. He Mm -hmm. indicated that as many as a third of the total population of the Roman Empire 
was uh, either slave or a recently freed slave, first generation freedman. Really? Uh, yeah, uh, up to a third of the entire population. And in Rome, in the city of Rome, it was more like 80 to 85% were slaves. And that was because most of the wealthy lived in Rome. They could afford it. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what they did. Mm -hmm. So uh, they just had all kinds of slaves. And can you imagine uh, eight out of ten people that you see on the street are slaves? I mean, that's crazy. The uh, Roman Senate was once presented with a bill that said all slaves should wear this certain color or this certain thing that would identify them as slaves. And they quickly voted it down because they didn't want the slaves to realize how, how many of them there greatly were. they outnumbered the Roman citizens. Wow. <laughs> and, I mean, that is exactly what they said. We don't want them to realize how many of them there are. That's so, crazy. <laughs> that is absolutely insane. Now, the one exception to this are Jesus' parables. Jesus actually talks about slaves or workers pretty freely. The masters of those slaves, he never clearly identifies them, if they are Roman or Jewish. Um, some of them, just by the way he talks about them, it's like they've got to be Jewish. So I'm not totally sure what to do with that. But this is a parable. This is a fictitious story. Right. Uh, we still don't have uh, any particular individuals being called out as so and so. This this Hebrew owned these slaves, or this Hebrew was a slave to so and so. Um. Jesus called himself a slave. Mm-hmm. He did it himself. Mark ten forty three to 35, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. Okay. And the verb that he uses there is the cognate of the noun for slave. Right. I came to be a slave to everybody, to give my life as a ransom for many. And then Philippians 2, 7 uh, just comes right out and says that Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a slave. Paul calls himself a slave. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, um, understand what we're not saying here is like, oh, you should be fine with slavery because Jesus said he was a slave. It, it's not that. Jesus is recognizing. I really think what Jesus is saying there is you're all a slave to something. Yeah. You're all a slave to something. Paul actually says it in those words in Romans chapter 6. You are all a slave to sin. Right. He wants to free you from that slavery, not so that you can be a freed man, but so that you can be a slave to righteousness. Well, it, well it's right, because if you're a slave to righteousness, that's true freedom. If you're a slave to yeah. God, that's true freedom, because you're always a slave to something. Either it's to you know your earthly master or to sin or it's to God. And yeah. there's only one preferable option here. And so it's kind of like the whole concept of like those who claim, or those who look to hold on to their life will lose it, but those who give up their life will find it. Um, it's sort of the same idea here. In order to be truly free, you must be a slave to God. Um, 
And Jesus is kind of making that claim, and he lived his life as a servant, he serving did. every single person he, he met. He saw that as something to seek. And so I'm not saying we should say slavery is good. I'm saying in a world where everybody's a slave, nobody can be a slave owner. <laughs> good point. You know what I mean? If you're if everyone's a slave to each other, nobody's a slave owner. I think I made that point last time, but I think it's worth coming back to and stating yeah. again. I mean, yeah. it's incredibly important. And we have to look Everybody wants a nailed down answer on everything. And the sure, Bible has sure. plenty of things that it doesn't give a nailed down That's right. answer it on. It gives some. It gives some. But not all the ones that we would want. What we have to do is look at the bigger picture. What is Jesus all about? And I'll get into that, but I do want you to finish. Well, uh, Paul, Jesus' followers, identified themselves as slaves. You have Paul doing it. You have uh, – he does that – Five times, uh, you have Peter doing that. Second Peter one one. Then you have this is really interesting. James and Jude do that. Well, who were James and Jude? James is probably the half brother of Jesus, mm-hmm. the son of Joseph and Mary. Mm-hmm. And Jude is another half brother of Jesus, son of Joseph and Mary. When they talk about their brother Jesus, when they write their letters. They don't say James, the brother of Jesus. He says the slave of Jesus. So they caught it. They they figured that out. Um, Revelation. There are seven passages here where God's followers are simply called slaves. Mm-hmm. That uh, the 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 slaves who uh, were under the throne, who had been together with saint, it uses the word slaves. And especially at the very end, four times in Revelation 19 and 22. And then several times it refers to uh, the prophets as slaves. Now, here are three passages that I really want us to look at. Okay. First one is 1 Corinthians 7.21, where you called while a slave. Don't let it bother you. But if you're able to become free, take the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Make use of that opportunity. Mm-hmm. There's Paul saying, if you get a chance to seek freedom, do it. Now, you don't do that if you are simply condoning it or saying this is good. I wish Paul would have said, this is horrible, it's a sin, everyone should free their slaves. He didn't, but he did say to the slaves, if you have an opportunity to take your freedom, do it. Yeah. Um, second passage is what Paul does in the book of Philemon. Philemon verses 15 and 16. Paul had met Onesimus on his travels, and Onesimus was now uh, with Paul in prison. Frankly, we don't know exactly what that means. It could be that Onesimus is a runaway slave and he's been thrown into prison because it's recognized that he's a slave who's run away. It could also be that Philemon sent Onesimus to Paul to help him out while he was in prison. Paul, however, in verses 15 and 16 says, Onesimus 
has come to believe in Jesus. Perhaps because of this, he was separated from you for a time so that you could have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a brother. Especially to me, how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. This is Paul saying of the one case of slavery that we have called out in the New Testament, Philemon and Onesimus. He sends Onesimus back to Philemon and he says to Philemon, free him, emancipate him. This guy is no longer your slave. He is your brother. Do something about that. Right. Now, the other passages, there are three. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink one spirit. Galatians 3, 26 and 27, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And then Colossians 3, 9 to 11. Don't lie to one another because you've taken off the old man together with his deeds. You've put on the new man that's being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Three passages there that Paul says, God makes no difference between slave or free. Everybody is welcome at the foot of the cross. This isn't, it's not God's plan for anyone to be a slave to another. That's a man-made construct. God is declaring everyone is equal in Christ. That he doesn't recognize the difference. He just sees Christ in those people. Yeah. Yeah. Now, especially the Galatians one where he says, neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. Mm-hmm. Um, is that book that I gave you, Richard Longnecker, mm-hmm. he suggests that. Maybe the reason Paul singled out those three things is because that is the blessing prayer that a proud Jew would pray. I thank you that you made me a Jew. I thank you that you made me free. And I thank you that you made me a man. So Paul tackles that prayer head on. And he says, there's no Jew or Greek. There's no slave or free. There's no male or female. We are all accepted by God at the foot of the cross. Hmm. That's nice. Yeah. I mean, pair that with the, uh, what, what is it? Uh, Luke 4.18. That Jesus came to set the captives free. Yeah. That's yeah. his mission. Yeah. Was to come and take all these people that were in bondage to one thing or another and set them free. What I really think here. Um, and I mean, I've said it over and over again. If we kind of want to recap what we saw throughout the Old Testament, we saw that there was a way slaves were treated by the world. Right. God was calling Israel 
a step away from that. Yeah. To say, I understand that you're still going to do this, but here's how you're going to do it now. Right. And it's, it's going to look different. It's almost like he's saying, okay, there's still your property, but they bear my image. Right. So they're, you've they're got to be treat treated them like differently. people. Yeah. And if you don't treat them like people, they were you, you were punished for not treating them like people, right? That's um, right. And not fully. It wasn't perfect yet. But a lot of things at that time were not perfect, like we talked about with marriage, right? Like it wasn't right, perfect. Right. And God had expressed earlier that wasn't exactly what he wanted, but he dealt with man's right. hardened hearts. And I think we're seeing the same thing. He's dealing with the hardened hearts yes. of man and saying, if yes. this is how you're going to do it, we're going to lead you one step closer to the right path. Yeah. So now by the time we get to Jesus, we see that slavery is pretty well done away with. With the Hebrews. With the Hebrews. Right? Yeah. The Romans are still doing it yeah. rampantly, right? But it's pretty much done away with with the Hebrews. Maybe not entirely, but almost entirely. Okay? And so now Jesus comes, and it's all about setting the captive free from sin, recognizing that we are all equal sons and daughters in Christ, and all to be recognized as that, right? What we need to understand, though, is the point of the Bible is not social reform. The point of the Bible is to change your heart, is to set people free spiritually, to save people from being captives to sin. Now here's, before you get all up in arms at what I just said, (laughs) the reason I don't think it is directly addressed on this is right, this is wrong, this is right, this is wrong, on like issues of slavery, for instance, is because Jesus gives us a greater commandment. Jesus says something that we can't get around with slavery. He doesn't say, oh yeah, you know, you're sinning if you're if you have your slaves. No, he says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, strength, soul, whatever. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can't own a slave and be loving them as yourself because you would never right. want to be owned as a slave. He's saying you can't do it. And he's saying if we're all servants, if we're all at the servant level, then no one's a master because you're all servants. No one is above the next. And so no one can own the next. And so it's like Jesus is bringing this way of life, this right, heart right, change right. that has to lead to the ending of slavery. Well, I mean, even what he says directly, if Within you is that desire to be the first, the biggest, the best, the greatest, and you have to learn how to be the least. Exactly. It's that heart change. Exactly. Because here's the deal. Um, I've been, we, I literally have brought this up 20 times in the last two days. But um, I, I've been looking at this really interesting chart lately um, that it starts with a change of self. <laughs> you can't change the world first and then think that you're just going to be better. You have to change first. I can't go change my community or change my family or change my organization that I work in or change the world and think that it's just going to be better. I have to change first. Everything else isn't going to change my hard heart. My hard heart has to change because if I start with the organization or I start with the family or I start with the world and think that, oh, I just put a new law in place and now everything's going to be okay, 
No, your hard heart's going to start poisoning the well. It's going to start bleeding into everything else. And, and that's happening on, with every individual person. Jesus has brought about something that changed the heart, and now that starts to bleed into everything else, and it starts to change the structure from the yeah. inside out. And so, so... So what are those steps? There's self? Uh, first, it's self, family... Team organization. I, uh, there's one more. And then community? And community. That's okay. it. So that would be like the world, you know? Right. But I, mean, I guess you could do world after that. But like my, my point is like it's just layers. It's just looking – it, but, it but, radiates out into your spheres of influence. Look at what happened. Uh, first of all, you have in the Old Testament the, 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 the laws concerning uh, pretty much family. Uh, if the family owns a slave, here's how they treat the slave and uh, they get freed for certain things, then it does spread to uh, the larger community, to the Jewish nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just kind of interrupt things in the middle of it. We haven't hit the whole world yet. But things are moving right. in that direction. Right. You're seeing this outpouring. Because, I mean, really, look at where we're at with with racial tensions today, with with slavery today. I mean, the world, for the most part, is anti-slavery. There are places where it's a thing. There are. Oh, yeah. But if you look at the vast majority of countries these days, it's amazing how far we've come from 2,000 years ago. Yeah. And, I mean, it's only going to get better if we continue – to live in the practices of Jesus Christ, loving the people around us. If we continue if to live in the practices of Jesus. the practices of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that's just it, is it doesn't just happen by saying, I'm a Christian and now the world's better. No, right, right. You've right. got to go be Jesus. Well, and that's that's why slavery does still exist in parts of the world, because right. it's, yeah, it's the world that we live in. It is fallen man, right. sin. Right, right. But, um, Nick, thank you for your question, man. Um, Nick, um, again, you said at the end that the Bible does not say explicitly sin is wrong. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I think you said sin is wrong. Slavery. Is wrong. Uh, slavery is wrong. Right. Either that or I just misheard it. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, okay. I think you're right. Um, but the Bible does point us in the direction. Uh, it, it, it would seem to me that... Uh, the conclusion that slavery is wrong and should be uh, eradicated is a natural progression from what Scripture says about slavery. It doesn't go all the way itself, you're but it sets us find, up to go all the way. You're not going to find one verse that nails it down. Right. What you are going to do is find a book that paints a picture. And when you stand back and you look at that picture, there's no place for slavery in it. There's no place. It, it can't exist within the biblical worldview. Um, and we hope that that was helpful, man. And uh, I will actually comment on the previous video where you uh, commented and, and let you know that this one's out, Nick. But thank you for that, man. I appreciate that. Uh, if any of you have any questions for us, please feel free to message us at salty saints at become hope.com or questions at become hope.com. Right. And if you would like to hear more about slavery, we actually talked about other things that we could talk about, not so much rehashing the biblical evidence, but going a step beyond uh, how has slavery played out. 
We know that there were those 150 years ago that said, well, the Bible protects us as we have our slaves. And others who said, oh, no, the Bible actually speaks out against that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've never done that study to see what their arguments were. It could be interesting. If you want to hear, let us know. Also, please keep your eyes peeled over these coming weeks. We are going to have some really awesome guests coming on. Very excited. We've gotten uh, contacted by uh, just, I don't know, by happenstance, I guess. You know, um, People have reached out to us. Uh, we've got a, a really awesome author, Mary DeMuth, will be coming on uh, here in a couple weeks. And uh, Paul Cardall, who is a Dove Award-winning pianist, um, he is a ex-Mormon, and now he is a non-denominational Christian, and he's got a really awesome story uh, about about that journey. And so we're super excited to talk with both of them. But keep those eyes peeled. And Richard Mensa. Richard Mensa, he's coming up. Uh, he's I'm been here before. Yeah. Love Richard, man. He's always got some fun insight for us. I don't remember if you mentioned his relationship to Rush Limbaugh in the last. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he wants that just getting aired out there, but I'll, I'll let him talk about that okay. someday if he wants. But All yeah, right. yeah, wild times. But yeah, man, we've got some awesome, awesome guests coming on. So be uh, be ready to watch those. You guys, take it easy, and until next time, stay salty. God kept calling my heart. Like I just knew He was my safe place. I hope people don't walk away going, "Wow, you're really awesome." More than like wow, Jesus is really interesting, and he's really awesome. Everybody on this planet is dealing with some sort of what if. How does that one courageous decision affect the whole world? A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. If you were encouraged by what you just heard, please search Trevor Talks on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com.